Hello there, my friends, and welcome to another bat episode of Tangents Abound. My name is Aaron Henley, and thank you all for joining me. And if you're a first-time listener, welcome. Uh, well, we're continuing our coverage of my second favorite DC character besides the one with the big red S. Batman. But before we get into that, there's just one brief thing I want to mention, friends, um, as to the state of the show. As you heard last episode, I am now an official part of the Two True Freaks Network, and I am very excited and happy about it. But what does this mean for the state of the show? Well, I will be having... You can find me now on the Two True Freaks feed. I have my own little spot. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Right now there's only one episode on because I don't want to load up all the episodes, mainly because I don't know what bandwidth limits are, and I don't want to overstay my welcome and say, oh, hey, let me let me throw this in here. Cause, so I'm, I'm taking it slow on, on transferring. Now, also, since I have so many friends and people that I talk to and that have shown interest in the show, you know, just in general conversation, I've always sent them to the Libsyn page, and that's where they're finding me. And also my old original friends are still there. That feed will also be open as well. So everything is going to be posted both on the uh, Two True Freaks feed as well as the Libsyn feed. Comments and feedback are greatly appreciated. You can find me on iTunes under Tangents Abound. But don't be surprised if you see some Two True Freaks related things pop up in the search engine. That's just going to be normal. So as I mentioned last week, there's a lot we could talk about. Um, as I said, I didn't even get into the Joker and all the villains and the rogues gallery. Because in my opinion, Batman does have the greatest rogues gallery in comics. Maybe it's just because they've been the most fleshed out of any rogues gallery throughout the years. But to me, they've always been the top tier uh, rogues. I mean, heck, Lego Batman made uh, Condiment Man funny, so. <laughs> I am Bane! I have warm and fuzzy feelings! That that was a great line. <clears throat> so, for this episode, I thought we'd get into the villains a little bit. Specifically, again, the greatest villain, in my opinion, the Joker. Now, the Joker has had a long history, and also a very great film career, such as Jack Nicholson, Cesar Romero, Heath Ledger, but to me, the greatest Joker ever on screen was Mark Hamill. Yes, when I found out that Luke Skywalker was Joker, my jaw hit the floor. But for the past 20 years, that's who the Joker is in my head. Anytime I read a Joker in the comics, I hear Mark Hamill. And I judge it on that limit test. If I can't hear Mark Hamill's voice saying the dialogue, that's not how Joker should be written. But that's just me. So, then I started thinking, what is a great Joker comic what's a great story with joker and there's a lot you can pick from 
especially if you go into the animated series. But I decided to talk about perhaps the greatest Joker story. Mad Love. And why is that the greatest Joker story? Because it's also the greatest Joker Harley Quinn story. Now, I thought, you know, for something this special, for something this important, I can't do this on my own. So I decided to invite a special guest. And who's that special guest? Well, cue the music, Harley. It's Tangents Abound with our very special guest, Alyssa! Hello! (laughs) Hello! Hello, everybody. (laughs) Apparently, I got enough feedback that I needed to come back. (laughs) Yes, a lot of people liked it. And as of this recording, she hasn't actually heard that feedback, but she will. I've just heard that there was a lot of it, and I'm really, like, just, like, I'm so touched. (laughs) Okay, well, we're going to, just that, since it's now an official episode and not just the commentary... Why don't you uh, give us a a little background on how you got into geekdom? How did I get into geekdom? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I always grew up, pretty much grew up around it because of you, because, you know, you're my big brother and little sisters like to annoy their big brothers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, anytime you'd be doing something, I'd be like right there watching and paying attention. And that's sort of, I think, what got me into geekdom because, you know, from like the age of three, I was doing that. Mm-hmm. So 24 years of that, you know. <laughs> Very true. Um, but no, I sort of got into like my own geekdom. Like I got into theater geekdom and Broadway. And um, then as I got older, I got into video games. And I'm a huge gamer now. And so is my husband. And um, I'm into a lot of other f- fandoms and geekdoms and things like that. So I'm I'm pretty heavily involved. But I'm very shy and quiet, so you don't normally see me. I'm one of the lurkers in the background. <laughs> yeah, I'm. But uh, when you're there, you are, you always are well known. Yeah, w- whenever like something my, my opinion is expressed, you hear it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. So, um, what about comics? Do you have any interest in comics? I, I've always enjoyed comics because I'm a big art fan. I love looking at art. Like I would go, I love going to art galleries. So I love comics because they're such a um, huge art form that not doesn't get enough recognition, I don't think. And so I haven't read very many comics, but I love going to comic stores and just looking at all the different comics and looking, flipping through the pictures and things like that. Um, I've probably read like a handful of comics, but. I want to definitely read more. Now that I have your information, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, it does, it does help when your brother has a uh, Marvel Unlimited account. Mm-hmm. And also, friends, again, I'm not paid by Marvel at all. I'm no, not sponsored, not. But, that. but the Marvel Unlimited app is simply amazing. Um, if you want a comic of, from Marvel from the Silver Age, from you know Fantastic Four number one to today – it's pretty much there. In fact, because they got back the Dark Horse, uh, the, in fact, since they got the Star Wars license back from Dark Horse, all the Dark Horse Star Wars comics are on Marvel Unlimited. I'm going to have to check that out. That's a <laughs> lot of comics just by itself. Um, definitely, Alyssa, check out the Star Wars Legacy comic. 
I definitely will, because you know me, I love all things Star Wars. Well, what the legacy is, is this was, um, tangents abound. (laughs) What it was, was post, like a century after Return of the Jedi. Now, this was about ten years before uh, Force Awakens was even announced. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) So, think... So it's it's a so it's a lot different than what you would see in the Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. But what it is is great. It's it's a great story because you have pretty much traumatic Jedi. Uh, I I don't know how to say this without spoiling it. That's okay. I'll just look it up and read it sometime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically think um, the only guy who can save the galaxy pretty much doesn't want to do it. Oh, I like stories like that. Yeah, and he's gone super emo and bad boy. <laughs> it sounds like a good one. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Think uh, He's a Skywalker who's embraced the more darker sides of being a smuggler. I like it. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of pl- – I mean, one day I'll, I'll do a podcast on that just because that, that, that is such a great series. Cool. But we're not a Star Wars podcast today. No, we are not. We, we need to get back on track. <laughs> the name of the show is Tangents Abound. Anybody listening to it knows what they're in for. Just, you know, don't want them to be like, why are they talking about Star Wars? I thought this is a Batman episode. <laughs> oh, please. Every episode I do, if I can't tie it to Star Wars, I'm not doing my job. This is true. So, let's get into the comic. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I, I gave you the comic. Um, yes. Because you'd never read it. You had said you'd always no, wanted to. I'd always wanted to. Harley's my my favorite DC character. Well, what attracted and you to Harley? I honestly do not know. <laughs> uh, I just, I've always loved Harley. And I've without having, I think maybe from the animated series. Because, you know, we grew up watching that. And I loved I just grew to love Harley. I don't know why. Just it's one of those things. It's just a character that you just click with, and you just really like her. That's <laughs> and then nice. reading reading this comic, I'm like, oh my god, I love a crazy character. This is amazing. <laughs> well, if you want, well, I have a few other Harley comics um, that I'll mention after we finish the ma- after we finish the uh, discussion on this, just as for further reading. That sounds awesome. Thank you. So. Let, so, again, the reason I picked this was it's the definitive Harley Joker story. There's been a few more since this was written, but I think this is still the pinnacle. Now, because even today, this thing has been turned into so many trade paperbacks that are on shelves all the time, especially with the resurgence of Suicide Squad. But... You know, when I can walk into a Books a Million and I see Mad Love, the coloring book, that should, That's amazing. that should prove just how embedded this story is into the DC universe. I need that comment, that coloring book, just FYI. <laughs> hey, you can get to a Books a Million a lot easier than I can. That's true. I have one just 15 minutes away. That's where I found it, by the Actually, way. Actually, I have two. I have two. I have one 15 minutes the one way and one 15 minutes the other way. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty, so... The first thing we'll talk, we'll give is the credits for the comic. Mad Love is written by Paul Dini and Bruce Timm. So, 
I'm sure anyone listening to the show knows who those two gentlemen are. Uh, So, Paul Dini and Bruce Timm, now the credits in the comic listed as uh, script, plot, and art, but I'm going to go to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, um, because that is like the definitive um, comic reference, uh, I don't know if I want to say reference, but website, this one guy, I don't know who Mike is, but he's been amazing, he has listed all the cover price information, where you can, where issues have been reprinted. It, he is, and he, it, it's it's an amazing website. It's dcindexes.com, or if you just do Google Mike's Amazing World. It originally was just DC and Marvel, but now he's done pretty much, if there's a comic company out there, it's available. That's and he, continu- awesome. he continually updates. He even has a podcast on the Two True Freaks Network. Hey. So, pretty much um, for us podcasters, Mike's Amazing World has been the go-to for reference material when it comes to uh, comic credits. So, for Mad Love, it, the writer is Paul Dini. The penciler is Bruce Tim. Also, uh, with assistance by Glenn Murakami. The letterer is Timothy Harkins. The colorist was also Bruce Tim with uh, Rick Taylor. And this had a cover price of three ninety five and was released on or around December 14th, 1993. Now, this is a 64-page comic. And to put that into perspective, I think around the early 90s, most comics were only like a buck 25, maybe a buck 50 at most. So even, so it still was a good deal, and nowadays it's actually less than cover price. <laughs> but if you want a first run, <laughs> prepare to pay through the roof for it, especially since, again, the movie came out. <laughs> I'm sure. Alrighty, so let's get into the story. Oh, this let's is going to be good. Well, you know what, before that, do you have any comments on the covers? Um, the first one... Well, yeah, go ahead. The first one is just Harley front and center, and it's a nice little cover. Um, I can't find the who, who did it, but uh, I enjoy that one. The second one, I think, was a Bruce T- Tim cover. I can't find any of the cover credits on it, but I do know for a f- that – you know that one picture, Alyssa, of – Harley and Joker, like Joker's in the tuxedo and Harley's looking up at him and it's all painted. I think I have a t-shirt of that that picture. Yeah, it was on a black background. Yep, yep, I have that, yep. Okay. Yes, I do. That was done by an artist named Alex Ross. And that was actually, I believe, the cover to the first uh, hardback version of this thing. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> Excuse me, friends. I'm going to do my best to edit. The good news is I'm out of the woods. The bad news is I'm still not quite there yet. Yeah. So let's dig into the Batman and the Batman Adventures, Mad Love, or psychotic mass murdering clowns and the women who love them. I love that. (laughs) Yep. That's yep. 
I like that a lot. So our story begins at a dentist's office in Gotham City, where Police Commissioner Gordon is undergoing his annual physical. Well, it's nice to be a police commissioner. I apparently get dental insurance. I'd love that. <laughs> However, he's not too excited to do that. And, uh, well, turns out that the his normal dentist is probably a corpse locked in a closet somewhere, as the substitute dentist is our favorite cr- clown prince of crime, the Joker. Yeah. That, as soon as I saw that that frame, I was like, seriously, you kind of like, covered yourself a little bit so that it's not so obvious who you are right away. <laughs> so, being the cat-like reflexes detective he is, he tries to get out of the chair. Unfortunately, he is tied to it with those like colored streamers that they use in the animated series. Because, of course, with every Joker, there comes a Harley Quinn action figure. <laughs> Before, well, also apparently, Jim has a rather uh, dirty mouth because he's, well, gagged with a big wad of cotton balls. And then the Joker decides to, you know, give him the mother of all root canals straight through the occipital lobe. <laughs> Unfor- well, fortunately for the, the, for the commissioner and unfortunately for the Joker, Batman comes crashing through the window. Apparently, the Joker's a little surprised by this because, you know, hey, I'm kind of busy right now. Well, apparently, uh, Batman has figured out what was going on when a set of chattering teeth that, with a nice little note that says, to Batman, care of the GCPD, had been sent to him. Well, Joker's all like, what? I didn't do this. All my teeth were stolen by the Riddler and used in Arkham Asylum. I'm up to balloons now, pal. Well, it turns out that the teeth in the uh, little Riddler-esque gag was from Harley. Well, she stuns the Dark Knight with some laughing gas. And, well, Joker's not too happy about her making some jokes and one-liners because, you know, that's his shtick. Well, with a parting grenade, an explosion, and Batman and... Commissioner Gordon looking really muffed up. The Joker and Harley make their getaway. Okay. So, about this opening scene. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just a... It's like what you would read in the Batman Adventures. It was more the kid-friendly uh, Batman comic on the stands at the time. Because it was the mm-hmm. animated series. But it also did tell more um, mature stories. As I've been reading it uh, digitally, and yeah, it's been pretty good. Also doesn't hurt that it's only a dollar an issue nowadays. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good. So, we get just great Bruce Tim artwork. I mean, the picture of Joker just standing over Commissioner Gordon and, you know, that shock look of on... Jim's face and, you know, just the malicious grin on Joker. That That is great. Mm-hmm. Did, did you see his little name tag? Dr. Laffo. Yep. I love that. <laughs> I think that's also an Easter egg to the animated series because I think he was... Yes, yes it was. Because in the animated series, when he went to kidnap the mayor's son, he was called Laffo the Clown. So that's a nice little reference. Nice. And only the most 
diehard animated series fans would get that one. Yes, you would. I thought it was just a cute joke, but here it's an Easter egg. Yep. But still, <laughs> it's it's a joke. But that's how an Easter egg should work. It's a joke because, you know, laugh Joker. But if you mm-hmm. think about it, you're like, oh, I see what you're doing there. Because remember, Bruce Tim and Paul Dini were the main writers and showrunners for the animated series. Right. So this is just a continuation of that work. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on the next page... We hear, you know, Jim going, apparently he's gone all um, Swedish chef. (laughs) Okay. And then. uh, What? (laughs) And then just, again, that look of Joker's pure maniacal glee when he's got the power drill and just going, everything's got to go. You can hear Mark Hamill and just the, like the music sting right there, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely yeah. The entire time I was reading this, you could hear Mark Hamill's Joker. Now, let's get into the first cr- inkling we get of the Joker Harley relationship. Where after J- Harley gasps Batman, and he goes, "You know that's a real gasser, huh, Mister J?" And then Joker just grabs her little. Uh, I don't know what those aren't pigtails. What do you call those things? I I don't know. They're they're it's it's part of her mask. So I mean it's it's part of her costume and everything. It's where her hair goes, and her hair is usually in pigtails. So or we could just call them pigtails. Okay. Do you, do you think those have bells on the ends? I always think they have bells. No, I think I don't think they're bells. I think they're the like white puff. Yeah, pom-poms. I know, but I like to think they're bells. <laughs> but then we just see Joker going. I give the punchlines around here. You got it? And he's just mad. I mean, you can see the spittle flying. He's ticked. And and then Harley's just, you know, yes, sir. I mean, that right there is where if you didn't watch the animated series, if you didn't know who Harley and Harley was, you could definitely tell there is something up with, you know, something seriously Mm -hmm. messed up here. Yeah, most definitely. Definitely, it's very not healthy. <laughs> but we'll get into that some more. Yeah, I think. yeah. This is just the kind of the intro. This is just the the tip of the iceberg. Oh yeah. So yeah, not a whole lot for this first part because you know it's, it's just kind of the hey, this is a Batman comic, you know. It, this would fit right in as, you know, an intro for the episode, you know, just the five minute stinger and then we get into the main story. Yeah. But again, with that little, with that one panel, it sets up what the story is going to be about. It does. Okay. So now let's head into the next section. Returning to the Batcave. Batman decides to give us a little exposition on Harley as we get our first official origin of Miss Harley Quinn. She was originally a student at Gotham State University as a gymnast, but her real passion and what she was trying to get her degree in was a psychology degree. However, she was not the best student intended to use her double D's to change her report card to an A. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that got the response I expected. (laughs) I was just letting you do the synopsis, and then I was going to jump right in. (laughs) You you, you can laugh at that, you know? Okay, well, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, that's, um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll get more into that. Let's just get through the synopsis. Okay, so, yeah. Apparently, Harley's whole reasoning to be a psychologist was she wanted to have her own line of self-help books and, you know, put dangerous criminals on the street and say, oh, you know, it's not their fault and pretty much just become rich and famous, which actually this could be a reference to that crazy psychologist from The Dark Knight Returns, but we'll get into that later. Unfortunately, things went haywire and we'll find out more about that later because we then cut to Joker and Harley's secret warehouse hideaway where we see Harley wearing pretty much red Nothing. a red negligee and that's it. Yep. We'll get into that art in a second. <laughs> well, while Harley wants to give get a little happy time, Joker is busy obsessing over his one true love, how to kill Batman. And Harley is not taking a hint at all, and we get some classic lines, but, you know, Joker is not having it. He's just not in the mood, because, you know, he's really still miffed about the whole stupid chattering teeth gag. But, uh, and he's also feeling, you know, a little performance and anxiety because, you know, Joker's getting a little, uh, little corny in his old age. He's, he's afraid he's losing his edge. He needs to come up with a better plan to, to make sure that Batman can finally get the death and the joke he deserves. Well, Harley asks him the question that, you know, everybody has always asked every gangster whatsoever. Well, why don't you just shoot him? <laughs> well, that's apparently Joker's trigger. Because, holy crap, did this story just go dark. He gets so angry at Harley, he tries to hit her with the acid squirting flower. She barely ducks out of the way, and Joker's like, oh, hey, wait a second, here's a plan I forgot all about. Meanwhile, Harley's like, just, she she, she barely... We came away from, you know, not having a face. Yeah. Well, Joker finds one of his old plans, a death of a hundred smiles, which actually sounds kind of cool. He would tie up Batman, throw him into a tank full of piranha, and, you know, have them have lunch. The downside is piranha have permanent frowns, and not even Joker's smile toxin can fix that. So he had to throw the plan away, and just settled back into another funk of, uh, I just can't figure out how to kill my Batman. <sighs> well, Harley, again, not taking a hint. She's definitely blonde. Tries to once again give Joker another smile, but uh, he's just not happy, and he literally boots her out the door. And she lands in a mud puddle with their pet hyenas. At least I really, really hope that's a mud puddle. Because remember, there's the pet hyenas. We're going to go with mud puddle. 
So, sitting in the, uh, what, 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 in the, I guess it's the alleyway. We see Harley just wondering, now who's to blame for all this? How, how did this happen? How did all my whole life turn upside down? Just sit right there. And she'll tell you how she became the queen of Arkham Bel Air. <laughs> that took me a second. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, is it her? Is it Mr. J? No, it's Batman. It's always Batman. So I think we'll just put a pin there because then we'll get into Harley's yeah. official origin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to say first off, the two-page spread of the Batmobile with the credits, that is my favorite Batmobile. Yeah, it is. It's pretty high up there. Chuck still has the um, die-cast mo- mo- um, metal bat. Uh, no, he doesn't have the bat. He doesn't have the um, this one. He has the bat wing. Oh, I read, ooh, that's just as good. The, yeah. The bat wing and the Batmobile from the animated series are my top two versions of those vehicles. There have been countless more. But still, anytime this Batmobile shows up, I'm happy. Yeah, this is an awesome Batmobile. I think it's Chuck's favorite, too. We both love Batman. <laughs> and then we see Batman at the back computer. And I can actually hear the, the little sound effects of when he's going tap, 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 tap. From mm-hmm. the animated series. Because the computer had like all these little whirs and giddly bobs when he, whenever he would work on it. And I can just hear him playing right there. Because this is a Batman cartoon just on paper. Right. And in fact, this story was so popular, it became a cartoon. It became mm-hmm. an actual episode. Mm-hmm. In fact, the final episode of the animated series. I don't want to talk about that too much, but there's something I want to say at the end of that. Okay. So we f- find out that, you know, Harley was a, had a promising sort of normal life. I mean... Being a gym, getting to, getting into a college on a gymnastic scholarship is not easy. I mean, gymnastics no. is a very difficult sport. Mm-hmm. But then we see it wasn't just you know she wasn't content with her sports career. She actually wanted to use her brain and her body. <laughs> yeah, to pretty much just become get her name on a few self help books, get a f- quick buck or two, and you know retire yeah have her the luxurious lifestyle that she wanted Mm -hmm. so what do you think of the reveal that harley pretty much slept her way to a degree yeah that i never really knew that that was officially part of her backstory i'd always heard people like in reading fan fiction and things like things like that people some people would use that as a backstory some people wouldn't some people do an au um but you know it always struck me as not surprising but not exactly my favorite thing. But the fact that it's actually canon, um, it doesn't change anything about Harley. It sort of gives you an inch, uh, look into the backstory of her life. You know how 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 she progressed to that point. How how did she? It makes you want to see more of her backstory prior to that to see what made her think that that was how she was going to do this if that was like the only way she thought she had if that was the only if that was the only option she had um but yeah 
<laughs> and if any of that just made sense. <laughs> and also, if you look at the thesis, you know what it says, the D minus, it says, see me. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure this is a repeat. It wouldn't surprise me Cause how would it, if it was a repeat. How, how would how would the, it's either the, hey, I can tutor you, or the teacher's like, mm, let's go for another round. Because yeah. you can read it multiple ways. You could. It could be this is the first time it happened, and that's her idea that she got. She's going to do that whenever she, she goes to see him, and that's what happens. Or it's already happened, and she's like, okay, let's go do this. <laughs> okay, then let's turn the page and get into the I feel pretty, oh, so pretty, pretty, witty, and gay. Um, Harley is really rocking that negligee. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it's pretty clear that just how high that slit goes, she's not wearing anything underneath that negligee. No, she's not wearing nothing. It's just it's just red, either red lace or red that red uh, fabricy stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think we learn a little something about Joker here. We, I think we do too. I had thought about that um, last night about Joker and how Harley's pretty much. If any guy that I know saw his girl like that. They would not be focusing on anything else. <laughs> no. I, I I think anyone who saw their loved one dressed like that, yeah. Or anyone they're in a, that kind of a relationship with, yeah. And then yeah. we get the immortal line. Ahem. Go away. I'm busy. Oh, come on, Puddin'. Don't you want to rev up your Harley? Vroom, vroom! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's an immortal line right there. <laughs> and he just... And, and in response to that, he just shoves her off. Just... No. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say anything. Not a word. Just... Boom. So, the question is, do you think they've ever actually had a sexual relationship? It's possible. I don't know. I'm from Joker's reaction, and it may just be his obsession mm-hmm. with Batman. And I may be reading this completely wrong, but it could be that they sort of. And this is from '93, so this could be totally wrong and off. But <laughs> the impression I got with reading it is Joker might actually be asexual. He might not be a sexual person. He may be the complete opposite side of the spectrum, and. You know, and Joe, and Harley's not. Harley's on the other side of the spectrum, and so you have this complicated relationship, and um, that can just add to the more abusiveness of it. When Joker doesn't, when Joker feels Harley pressuring him, he just goes and snaps rather than talking it out. Um, but I mean, just the fact that he's, I mean, yeah, I can't even. Yeah, she's doing everything short of actually jumping on top of him. Yeah, she's. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he's just not having it. So, actually, that's not too far off the mark. You're you're actually in pretty good company because I've always felt that way too. When he's in the mood, he'll do it. But yeah, but when he's not, it, it's it's not even an option. It doesn't even. It's like no, no, and you can go yeah. away <laughs> because I'm focusing on this. He, which is also why whenever people say that he raped uh, Barbara Gordon in a Killing Joke. I say no, because that's not what Joker would do. 
Joker's not that. I'm I'm sorry. Joker is a really messed up individual and really crazy and does horrible, unspeakable things. But I don't think Joker would do that. Just my personal thoughts on Joker and just you know how I know the character and things like that. Yeah. Granted, I'm not deep into comics and deep into backstory and all that, but just the impression I get from other fans that I know that love Joker and things like that. That's not exactly his nope. stick. Actually, you're in good company too, so don't worry. If you've listened to as many podcasts as I have, you're pretty much saying what I've heard for uh, across the podcast community I hang with. So, yeah, uh, that just doesn't strike me as his thing. That no, he's not up for that. <laughs> Maybe other villains are, but I don't think I don't think. Uh, Joker yeah, let, let's them. not go into some of the other villains that. <clears throat> you no, know, we, we're focusing on Joker and Harley yes, right because, now. <laughs> well, also <laughs> things changed post. 2000 <clears throat> a lot a lot of villains got a lot more rapey mm. and necrophilia oh that's great yeah thank you jeff johns you turned a green lantern villain really creepy just so you could have your zombie apocalypse story you could have had it without him being all necrophilia Okay, tangent about time. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> okay. Now, I love how Joker's, like, feeling he's lost the edge. You know, like, everything he's mm-hmm. c- tried, everything he's come up with is just old hat. It's, you know, just not funny anymore. Because to the jo- It's not how he used to be. Because for the Joker, it's not just simple enough to kill Batman. There has to be mm-hmm. the joke. He may be the only one who gets the joke, but it has to be funny yep and then right after harley asks him you know well why don't you just shoot him that panel with all in red and just the demon joker coming out yeah just just he's he's it's it's how do i say this it's the calm before the storm anger where you're so angry you can't yell you're just walking closer to that person and you're talking in a way that your anger comes out and then it explodes. Which was the panel below when he almost melts her face off. Exactly. Now, also, this isn't the first time we see something Joker do this because he also does something similar in Mask of the Phantasm, which I know you haven't seen. I will fix that. If I have to mail you the DVD, I will fix this. Yes, I do want to see that. You were telling me about that before we started. So, yes, definitely. And then, you know, I love how he has, you know, the death of 100 smiles and just this cute little, like, trapdoor, like, little scribble. Does he draw his plans with, like, Crayola crayons? (laughs) He might. It wouldn't surprise. That would, like, just add so much to Joker's character if he did. That's now my headcanon. (laughs) And then, but right under that, there's the big panel that made me say, we have to recover this story. Because while he's ranting and raving and going, oh, this will be the perfect trap, he throws his hand down, you know, like, bang! But almost like a punch, and what does Harley do? She flinches. Yep. And there's the, and it's even a sound effect. It's right there. Flinch. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not just that. She's. It's a harder flinch. If it was just, you know, a... A slight reaction that flinch wouldn't be there but the fact that they wrote that in and then it's in a different color than the background it is a significant point right there i saw the exact same thought mm-hmm. 
and then it, it's just the rest of the story, rest of the little scene is great. I really love seeing the the, the little pet hyenas they have. I've only ever seen them in the uh, animated series, but anytime they make an appearance, it's just great. Oh, I know. I like in um, one of the Arkham games, they were in not they weren't live, they were dead, but they were stuffed in Penguins exhibit. They were stuffed. Yeah, that's right. Arkham City in the Penguin Museum. Yep. Oh, yeah. Penguin killed him. Well, the Arkham universe is different than the animated. I know, I know. I'm just saying. But I'm like, that's well, no, that's what I'm justifying. Them. They're still alive. They're still alive. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What, what, actually, because those hyenas are so important. Mm-hmm. I don't. You probably don't know this episode, but Joker has an atomic bomb and is about to blow up Gotham. And the only way. To stop him is to have Harley stop him. Because mm-hmm. Batman and Robin have been taken out. So Ro- Batman says, you know, if he does this, who's gonna he's going to kill the puppies. All of a sudden, that triggers Harley. And she goes, you weren't going to save the babies? And yeah, they're, they're Harley's Harley. babies. We finally see a turn in Harley being a normal woman and realizing the relationship she's in. Mm-hmm. Because the Joker only cares about himself. Oh yeah. Uh, but so I, I I just love that. Okay. Well, let's see what happened a long time ago at Arkham Asylum. We see young Miss Quinzel arriving on her first day on the job, fresh out of Gotham State University, meeting Dr. Joan Leland. Pretty much her uh, supervisor, but doesn't really do a good job at all. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But she is a smart cookie. She sees how Harley is pretty much just there to make a name for herself and just get some, uh, make a quick buck. But she warns her, you know, these are hardcore psychotics. They'll kill you as soon as look at you. But uh, she, Harley just doesn't get the point. Again, that's kind of a recurring problem with her. Mm-hmm. For the f- very first supervillain she sees is the one who draw- gets the most attention. Good old Mr. J. Arriving in her office some time later, she finds a rose has been left with a note, Come on down and see me sometime. Well, Harley's like, not really, uh, Harley's pretty interested in this and decides to pay the Joker a visit. She tries to threaten him, saying, you know, it'd be interesting the guards knew you had gotten out, and Joker just replies, well, if you really were that concerned, you would have already told him. (laughs) So then we see the Joker start playing her, because I think he's he's always played her. For the craziness, the Joker is a very intelligent man. Despite what Heath Ledger said about a man with a plan, everything he did in that movie had a plan. He couldn't have worked (laughs) without a plan. Yeah. So. Well, right. Well, okay. Wait, we're not even going to get into that. Yeah. Stick to synopsis. (laughs) I almost went on a tangent. Go go for it. Go for it. Tangents are the family. Go. 
Well, you just said Joker was is playing Harley. You know, in that scene, you know the entire movie, Joker's got a plan for all of this. He is playing Harvey in that he doesn't have a plan. So Harvey should just trust him. <laughs> and Harvey does it because Joker's so smart and intelligent. I'll be crazy. He knows how to play, how to work the system and get people to do what he wants them to do. So tangent amount. There you go. <laughs> Did any of that make sense? Apparently it wasn't important because I didn't leave a message. <laughs> or maybe they did.
<laughs> well, apparently Joker had Joker makes a so after some badgering, Harley eventually becomes the Joker's doctor. And then over the course of the next few months, the Joker begins to share and really open up to Miss Quinzel. And we find out that he was an abused child. He tried everything he could to make his dad happy. And unfortunately, every effort he made ended up with him being beaten. So this just eventually breaks poor Dr. Quinzel's heart. Because to the Joker, it's not just his abused dad who's picking on him now. It's the Batman. Mm -hmm. Then as more months and sessions begin, more months and sessions progress, we find out that Dr. Quinzel has crossed the line. She has now fallen in love with her patient. Mm -hmm. In fact, she even has her own therapy sessions with the Joker playing the psychiatrist. Her feelings were then cemented when the Joker finally escaped Arkham. And after some time and Batman doing his Batman thing, he's brought the Joker back bruised, beaten, and bloody, and Harleen just breaks down and weeps. She can't stand seeing her puddin' dragged away and thrown back into a cell. So that night, she races into Gotham City, heads into the nearest costume store, grabs a bunch of equipment, apparently forgetting to pay, but, you know, once the owner goes through a store window and is no longer conscious, paying is not a big deal, breaks, sneaks into Gotham, takes out the guards, puts a bomb on his cell, and with a big explosion, we get our first introduction of Miss Harley Quinn. Grabbing the Joker, who's still pretty bandaged and incapacitated, the duo break out of Arkham and race off into the sunset. Whew, that's a that's a pretty impressive little scene, isn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you're getting Harley's backstory from Harley. And it's not crazy Harley. Like, some people write nowadays mm -hmm. Harley is just... So, just as nuts as Joker? Mm-hmm. No, she's still there. She's still there. She's not totally gone yet. She remembers everything exactly how it happened. I and this is not for our sake that's showing where Harley's at mentally. Mm -hmm. I really like the office scene when she finds the rose. And she's all in, like, there's the lighting of just the, the blinds. Mm-hmm. And... It, just showing that she's starting to break a little. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, what do you think of the story of of Joker just giving these abuse stories? The abuse story? Mm-hmm. Well, when I was reading it, I was like, did he really just open up or is he playing her? You know, because 
that's again how Joker is. He's very intelligent. He knows how to play people and manipulate them. And with a therapist, you know, you're supposed to, you know, let it all out. And so Harley is just thinking he's letting it all out. Where in reality, he's more than likely manipulating her. And so that way he can gain her trust, which by the end, as we saw, he did because he she's now confessing not only all not only is all the stuff that we're reading what she's thinking, but that's what she's confessed to Joker in her therapy session. Mm-hmm. Because if you notice it, it's it, the last panel on um, what page is this? Page thirty. That I admit it as unprofessional as it sounds, I had fallen in love with my patient, mm-hmm. and then she says, "Pretty very next frame is pretty crazy, huh?" <laughs> it's just like there it is. <laughs> yeah, and I love how she's gone from. Um... You know, deep, very nice handwriting on the previous page on her notes to, script, yes. you know, something like a, a five-year-old would, or six-year-old would draw. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> so, again, she she's going into the cartoony stage of being, of becoming mm-hmm. a villain. Yes, she's definitely on her way there. And then when Joker comes back, beaten, bloodied, bruised clothes torn up and batman he's he's not in a very good frame either he's got blood on his, his things all ripped up and he's bloody and if you look behind batman there's um blood puddles coming we don't know if it's whether it's batman or jokers and the fact that it's a full page well it's it's definitely just, it's definitely batman's i mean he he got cut by a claw or something because there's uh-uh. three lines on the three shoulder lines. and you and i can and i can safely say this would never have been seen in the animated series mm-hmm. batman this cut up well actually now you just said that if you look at his other arm he's got blood coming down oh, it and it's dripping oh, yeah, from his I hand into that. the puddle yeah. i just saw that as you were talking <laughs> because the black lines blend into the uh into mm-hmm. the costume yep. but um yeah standards and practices wouldn't have allowed something like this so this is really mm-hmm. a really great panel and then these this whole scene of joke of Harley reading about the Joker, hearing him come back. There's not a sing of her seeing him drag drug away. Her breaking into the costume store, breaking back into Arkham. There's not a single word balloon. There's not a word. Nothing. It's as soon as as soon as yeah. It's as soon all, as she sees him. It's silent. It's all image storytelling and this is yep. what comics are best at yeah when they can tell you the story you don't ha- and you don't have to have a narration box you don't have to have a, a word balloon or a thought balloon just the mm-hmm. facial expressions and friends you know how i have trouble reading facial expressions the pain she's feeling i get i get it so much i i, I truly understand this and then when you see the panel of her holding all the the stuff that's going to become her costume and just, just the crazed look in her eye. She's gone. She's lost it. She has completely broken with reality. Mm-hmm. And then what I, this, this is really, really great because as Harley is taking Joker out of Arkham and there, she's shooting guards, uh, throwing um, snakes at uh, like cans of snakes at him, tripping them up with marbles, getting them into the, into her car as they drive off, he just starts with a little chuckle. And then in each panel, it gets louder and louder till finally we get the classic Joker laugh at, right into the sunset. Mm-hmm. Because he's not happy watching what's going on. 
he knows he's got her. Yep, he knows he just did what he planned on doing with her. All she was was going to be was just a way for him to get out of Arkham. Mm-hmm. And it worked. And that's the joke. He played her, and she doesn't know it. Mm-mm. She still doesn't know it. And it's been probably years since that happened. Alrighty. So, also Harley had some plans for the future. For in the next panel, we see her thinking about home life. You know, raising a couple Joker, raising a Joker and Harley Jr. Having Batman's head over the mantelpiece. Do you know who those two next to him are? I don't. I wanted to ask you. Buster and Babs Bunny from Tiny Toons. Oh. Yes. Okay, then. Yeah, I was I was rather... Because, yeah, we have, you know, Barbie decapitated. I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be Barney eviscerated. <laughs> uh, the Batmobile's on fire with a Robin doll. Mm-hmm. Batman's head over a mantle. The bowling trophy is... It's a bomb. <laughs> and then we have Buster and Babs Bunny just hanging... Hanging there. Yeah. That's really disturbing. <laughs> yeah. But, okay. It's, I didn't cover that in the synopsis, but it's just a nice little a little scene. So, as Harley... So, let's get into the f- next section of the story. So, Harley is sitting there in the mud puddle thinking, how can I make my pudding happy that doesn't involve my vagina? Because obviously that doesn't work. <laughs> Thank you for not going off on me on that one. Um, so she starts going. So as the Joker sleeps and uh, apparently is swearing at Batman because he's the G damn Batman. I never noticed that till now. Yeah. I always wondered where that came from. Now I know. Mm-hmm. So she finds the plans for the death of a hundred smiles, holds it upside down, and suddenly she has an idea. Mm -hmm. Well, she, we then cut to GCPD where Commissioner Gordon hands Batman a videotape from Harley stating that Joker now has a plan that he's going to kill everybody in Gotham. She's seen everything and she just can't take it anymore. So she's willing to turn over everything she has as long as Batman promises to protect her and that she would meet him down at the Gotham Dark. Gotham Dark. Gotham Docks. <laughs> I cannot talk today. Yeah. So Batman arrives and observes her for a while to make sure, you know, it's not a trap. And meets up with Harley. She hands him the plans when all of a sudden who should appear on a boat? Joker. And he starts firing at them with a Tommy gun. Batman grabs Harley, throws her to the ground, covers her, shields her with his body, throws a batarang, and decapitates Joker? (laughs) See, I told you those razor-edged batarangs were finally going to kill somebody! I, I, haven't I been saying that for years? That ever since Arkham Asylum came out with the razor edge 
battering. Yeah. It was only a matter of time before Batman killed somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but wait, what's this? There's wires to the Joker? Well, it wasn't Joker. It was a robot. Taken by surprise, Batman is injected with a sedative, and Harley has captured Batman. He comes to in an abandoned building, strung up with no belt, and suspended over a tank full of piranha. But wait, I thought Joker said this plan wasn't going to work. Ah, Harley's figured out why. If he's hung upside down, well, all those little frowns, they've been turned upside down. (laughs) So she's really got him this time. Batman doesn't have um, his belt, his utility belt. He's chained very heavily. He's still drugged. So, yeah, there's pretty much going to be a hot time in the old fish tank tonight. (laughs) But. (laughs) And so as Harley is so proud of herself and starts dreaming of the time she's going to have with her pudding between. Now that Batman's out of the picture. Batman does the scariest thing imaginable. He laughs. Yeah. The Batman laughs, and yeah, I'm with Harley with this. It gives us the creeps. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Batman says what we've been saying all along, and is trying to reach Harley. Unfortunate, and we find out that all the stories and things that Harley was told by Joker, he's used them a dozen times. He's a comedian. He knows what material works, and he sticks with it. Well, unfortunately, this almost sends Harley over the edge again, and she grabs the chain and is about ready to dunk the Dark Knight into the tank. The only thing that stops her is the doubt that Batman's plan center that the Joker wouldn't believe it. I mean, a ton of fish, there wouldn't be anything left, but if some bones, some costume, and anybody can fake that. Nervous, Harley picks up the phone and calls her pudding. The Joker's kind of surprised and pretty dismissive of Harley until he finds out, You have who tied up where? He immediately jumps into his car, drives through Gotham, hitting any, not caring who's in his way, including a, I'm pretty sure, Ray, uh, I'm pretty sure the ventriloquist who just got ran over, <laughs> and, and races to the site. Well, Harley is still ramen, telling Batman and us and thinking about her future with, her non-Bat future with Mr. J and all the kids they'll raise and uh, all the happy times they'll have, only to find out, yeah, that's all in her head, as Joker busts in, and immediately we see just how toxic this relationship is, because he just beats the tar out of her. Finding out that 
she took his plan and then had to explain it. And because, you know, that's the worst thing you can do with a joke. He snaps. Harley backs away, grabs the nearest thing she can, a swordfish prop, to protect herself. Unfortunately, it doesn't work as Joker grabs it, swings it as hard as he can, and sends Harley flying backwards through the window, plummeting four stories to the pavement below. Actually, five. Sorry. You're right, five. (laughs) Yeah. Let you know. Yeah, that's leaving our little Miss Harley bleeding and barely clinging to life in the alley, as the as Renee Montoya, Harvey Bullock, and Jim Gordon arrive. Whew. Wow, this is this. There's an episode of the animated series called Almost Got Him where it's a bunch of bat villains like in a bar playing poker mm-hmm. and they're all telling stories of how they almost got Batman. And of course it ends with the Joker and the best one, the best one with the best punchline. Mm-hmm. But of course there, there was killer croc who said, cause everybody goes, well, what's your story croc? I threw a rock at him. <laughs> and they're, they're, and it's penguin, poison, Ivy, Joker, two face, and they all look at him with these dumbfounded expressions, and Killer Croc just goes, "Well, it was a big rock. <laughs> it was a big one." Because <laughs> they all have these elaborate death traps, and Killer Croc just goes, "I threw a rock at him." <laughs> They're just dumbfounded, like <laughs> a, a rock. <laughs> so I say all that to say this is a great almost got him. Batman it's really is in up there. trouble, and he knows oh, yeah. it. Oh, he knows he's done for if he doesn't do something. Ah, uh, and just the way, and then when he finds out that Harley is with Joker because she thinks there is a future with him, mm-hmm. and then he just starts to laugh. Mm-hmm. And Batman's not a laugher. Even Bruce Wayne isn't a laugher. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh god, oh man. <laughs> I was with Harley. I was like, I've never seen you laugh before. This is not good. Yeah. If you hear Batman laugh, something either went really good or really, really really bad. bad. Yeah. And then we we get the the whole – I love the panel right below that, the creeps thing. And, you know, you just see Batman's eyes in the shadow Mm -hmm. because he's telling her the truth. Mm -hmm. and. She knows, I think, and she knows in her heart it's the truth, but she can't accept it because then everything she's done, every crime she's committed, every person she's killed, every justification she had for what she did is gone. Is gone. And that can make you even more crazy than she, make her all more crazy than she already is. Just that fact, knowing that all of that, everything that she's believed this entire time since the day she met him is gone. Mm-hmm. And then Batman, you know, says that, sure, you've got my belt, but, you know, that's not the same as a body. Yeah. So you have to call Joker. He's not going to believe that you, of all people, killed mm-hmm. the Batman. Mm-hmm. 
and then we see Joker still having performance anxiety as he's tearing through all these plans. And I, I love the line, not funny, been done, eh, to Riddler. That's my favorite. Yeah. So I think that was put there just to kind of break up the darkness, but it's this is a dark story. It may not seem like it tonally, um, you know, visually, but tonally it is. Mm-hmm. Because Joker doesn't even give her the time of day. He's like, mm-hmm. Harley, well, where the heck have you been? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Batman. Huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You have who? It's almost like a Looney Tunes gag, you know? It is. It so is. Because it's like, oh, uh-huh. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Face, it's just like his eyes are boom. It's like the coyote just found out he got a lifetime supply of Acme rockets. <laughs> That's the best description. Because, and, and again, it's all in, as he's driving, all he can think of is not getting the credit for killing Batman. We see little images mm-hmm. of Two-Face, Riddler, and Penguin as he's like, oh, yeah, you know, that's what's-his-name, <laughs> Mr. Harley Quinn. Mr. Harley Quinn. <laughs> yeah. I never thought he was that funny to begin with. You know, again, we just see how narcissistic Joker is because all he cares about is his name, his legacy, mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. It is so good. And as he's recklessly driving and causing massive vehicular homicide, <laughs> that's how the police find him, and they trail him to this warehouse. Mm-hmm. So also one thing I forgot to mention, as Batman's in this tank, it's filling up with water So the as the water level is rising so the piranha can get to him. Right. She's not just going to lower him. The piranha are going to come to him. Which I think mm-hmm. it's even scarier because then it's a little bit because then you know whether they're paying attention or not, you're still getting closer and closer and closer. <laughs> and then we see you know Harley's plans for the f- future without Batman. We see mm-hmm. her marrying the Joker, mm-hmm. and I'm sure the that uh, priest is is a reference to a famous comedian, but I don't know who. I don't know because he's holding a thousand joke book. Yeah, and then you know they've got a. A whole brood, and then apparently Joker was not happy with the uh, maternity staff because he's you know causing their heads to explode. Yeah. Now, what did they do to these pigeons that they're suddenly exploding? I don't know, but it's hilarious. I just saw that because <laughs> there's one just flying out and just goes blam. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't see that till just like we were going through this and I, cause I was more focused on Harley and Joker being old. Yeah. And cause still in their costumes. I, I, I love how Joker's suddenly gone bald and just, they look so ancient. I know. And then all I can, and I'm trying not to make the obvious Viagra joke or. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. But then when he breaks in, and it's just a one-page splash, and he's just furious. And Harley's like, what? I, I thought you'd be happy. Because mm-hmm. she's happy to see him. Yep. And then, again, we get the devil eyes. And yep. this is what works. Because when they went from – during the Batman animated series, halfway through the show, it became the adventures of Batman and Superman. And the art style completely changed. Mm-hmm. 
and Joker lost a lot of what made him awesome in the series. Not not performance wise. Mark Hamill still did it, but it went from this you know the the eyes and the wide mouth and everything to really right. simplified. Very he he didn't even have eyes. He had like little pupils. It was very mm-hmm. simplistic. Mm-hmm. And I just I never liked the design because it just didn't seem threatening. Right. If it had been more like in this one panel here, because it still had the mouth with the beady eyes, that would have worked. That was threatening. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even care that it was his own plan to begin with. Mm-hmm. He wasn't responsible for it. He doesn't, all he cares about is his name, his legacy. He is 100% narcissistic. Yes, he's the definition of it. And then when Harley goes fly, flying to the pavement, oh! And you that see first Ren- panel on that page is just stunning. Yeah, where where you see Renee Montoya. By the way, if you, that's that's who I was talking about during the uh, Princess Bride commentary as right. the descendant of Inigo. Yeah, yeah, because she's an awesome detective. But the we'll just say comic books because. There's no way a human being could survive that fall onto concrete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what. If there are eight feet tall ceilings, we're going to go eight foot because that's, I mean, I'd go 10, but I'm not 100% sure. So eight times five, that's 45, right? 40. 40, sorry. The nine is 45. Thank so. you. I was really scared for a second there. That's sorry. the public education system at work, friends. Hey, no, it's just I haven't done math in a really long time. <laughs> Uh, and the final line, my fault, I didn't get the joke. She's mm-hmm. blaming herself for this. She went flying through a window and crashed into pavement, and she thinks it's her fault. Mm-hmm. That's classic abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Classic. Okay. Somebody gets beaten, and they blame themselves. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's finish the story. Yep. Because... Yeah, <clears throat> I'm trying not to make some jokes. <laughs> so as Detective Bullock and Commissioner Gordon race up the st- race up the uh, building stairways, Joker is untying Batman of all people, and you know he's like, "Hey, no hard feelings, buddy. Yeah, I'll go kill you next time." Well, then again, Joker's like, "Huh, I won't have an opportunity. Batman tied up like this, and you know." Uh, I've got a gun, so you know. If I, so he makes a joke and says, "Hey, I'm still going to get credit." Well, Batman's able to knock the gun away as Joker fires, which cracks open the piranha tank, gives Batman time to escape and grab his belt so he can get into his lockpicking tools and untie himself. While the piranha are munching into Joker's uh, backside, backside. And front side, and pretty much every That's side. all sides, and rather sensitive areas too. Mm-hmm. So as the well, the Joker finally manages to get away, and is ch- but it finds out that no, he doesn't have a gun. He's just got a piranha. I live with the piranhas looking at him too in the frame. <laughs> so he decides, okay, I can't go down where the cops are. I'm going to go up. So he races to the roof, jumps off, grabs onto a guardrail on the building across the way. Unfortunately, it wasn't strong enough to support the weight of a man, and it 
breaks off and he plummets to his death. But since this is a comic book and we really need the Joker, nope, he just somehow managed to land on a very conveniently speeding train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, of course, uh, that's not the end of the story because as he's going, yeah, 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 you can't get me. He hears, she almost had me, you know. <laughs> I had no of, I had no way out other than convincing her to call you. I knew your massive ego would never allow anyone else the honor of killing me. Though I have to admit, she came a lot closer than you ever did. Puddin'. And I forgot to mention, throughout the whole story, every, Joker just says, I don't call me Puddin'. Don't call me Puddin'. And Batman hears something, and he just, that's rubbing salt in the room. And when he says mm. Puddin', well, that finally breaks any sense of sanity Joker has, and he goes completely feral. And then we just have a great fight scene between Batman and Joker on this speeding train. Fists are flying, kicks are being, legs are kicking, knives are swiping, and finally, with a massive uppercut, Batman KOs Joker. Unfortunately, Joker then goes flying and and falls symbolically down a chimney shaft, much like the vat of acid all those years ago. But again, since this is Joker, we know he'll come back. Mm-hmm. And our story finally ends at Gotham, at Arkham Asylum, where a broken Harley Quinn decides, I'm, I'm done. I realize what's gone wrong. I need to get healthy. As she lays in bed and doctor and her doctor lady, because <laughs> I can't remember her name. Leland. <laughs> Dr. Leland approaches her and says, so tell me, Harley, how did it feel to be so dependent to give up everything for him, gaining nothing in return? And Harley was just about to say it felt like she was just about ready to break it off when she looks over at her nightstand and there's a rose with a note, feel better soon. And in the most tragic panel, in a very tragic story, Harley falls in love once again with her pudding. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So, I love this whole little, again, the comedic beat of the Joker like, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll kill you next time. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and does exactly what Harley asked him about the meet him flip. He goes to just shoot him. Yeah, why don't you I just thought shoot that him? Was- I thought that was quite symbolic right there that, you know, that started the whole thing. Why did you shoot him? And he went off on her and nearly killed her. And now he's doing exactly that. And holy crap, I then didn't realize that until you just said it. This is why I love podcasting with other people, Frank. <laughs> but you are 100% right. Just He's just, he's so mad and frustrated about all of this that he just wants the credit now and he's going to get it however he wants and Batman doesn't let him have it. <laughs> Now, here's a question. How does Batman get to his lockpicking tools and his 
utility belt with his mouth. Dexterity? I'd say so, because, man... He put a lot of points in that. (laughs) Yeah, he did. Now, I've seen him in different stories, like, he will keep a lockpick under his tongue just for this eventuality. Mm Mm-hmm. But because I think that makes a bit more sense than grabbing it out of the it's belt. It's highly possible that that's what happened. He's just grabbing his belt so that way Joker doesn't have an opportunity to get it, mm-hmm. despite everything that's happening to him. He's getting it out of range. True, because there's there's some nice stuff in that belt. Yeah, a lot of wonderful toys. And then you know when Joker just pl- jumps off the roof and lands on the on the building and falls. Mm-hmm. That that's just classic because it's like, haha, made you look. Yeah. And then the epic fighty McFightenstein. Mm-hmm. Well, well, and well, first Batman just rubbing salt into Joker's wounds. You're right, deep, deep salt, lots of it. All the salt, real deep. All all the salt. Batman's very salty. <laughs> And then when he just says pudding and Joker snaps that frame, it, he's, the frame he's, of his eyes. Oh yeah. Is, it's like what? You, you, you can almost he, hear he, the, the the his brain exploding. You can hear you can just hear the snap. Yeah. Or or the train cl- crashing right right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then comes the epic fighting McFightenstein, copyright Andrew Leyland, all rights reserved. Of just everything. And then we see Joker's love of knives. See, Dark Knight, you ripped off everything we love about Batman. Or maybe they were honoring it. You never know. Uh, trust <laughs> me, if you, if you read the stories, Dark Knight was inspired, Dark Knight stole wholesale and was inspired by, mm. you'd go, huh, wow. With the exception of the two boats, they really didn't have an original thought, did they? Really? Oh, that's sad. <laughs> and then, oh, I love that one-page shot of Batman just giving him the uppercut because you can hear the dun 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 right there. Mm-hmm. And then, as Bat, and then I love, and I came up with the symbol symbolism of him falling into the uh, the chimney like the acid pit because we see the. Kind of in one page, we get Joker's entire backstory. Yeah, and it's not even about Joker; it's just images. That's how you do exposition right. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you want to say about this final scene with Harley? Just oh. <laughs> it's deep. It's it's. Let me see: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. It's thirteen panels. Panels, and you go from Harley being just completely and utterly done, just done. She's ready to get healthy and be good, and all it takes, all it takes, is a single rose and three words, and not even, not even the three words she's wanted to hear from from Joker all this time, just three words that anybody could say, mm-hmm. and she is totally reversed and back to where she was, and it's and it's, it's sad. It, like your heart breaks for her because she's 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 gotten to the point where she's so good and so ready to just totally accept everything she's done and move on, and it's just 
erased <sighs> by a flower in three words. And you know, I almost want to bet that Joker never put the first rose. He had some guard or somebody do it. Because there's no way he got to Arkham that fast. Oh, well, no, 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 no. Yeah, he had somebody, one of his guys on the inside do it. Yeah. But again, he's just playing her. Oh, now, yeah, totally. Fortunately, Harley would have a happy ending. As we learn in Return of the Joker, she eventually, well, is thought dead. <laughs> but she be- finds a husband and family and actually has granddaughters. But that's a whole other story. Hmm. Mainly because it was just a little cameo, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, this story has had a lot of... Uh... Check. Hello? Sorry, that was my phone. My tablet. Oh. Sorry. It was being a jerk. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I was like, check, check what? Check one, check two? <laughs> So, I was, I was me. this story has gotten a lot of praise. Um, it won the Eisner Award for Best Single Story in 1994. Now, for those of you who don't know, Eisner Awards are like the Oscars for comics. That, that's the best way I can say it. Nice. And it was reprinted in 1998, again, uh, as a hardback single story with that um, Alex Ross cover that's been on so many T-shirts. Yeah. Um, it was reprinted in 2009 with a bunch of other stories by Bruce Tim and Paul Dini that they did for the Batman Adventures, simply because, you know, when you sell a 168-page book, you need more than 64 pages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, um, it's ranked by IGN as the 12th greatest Batman story of all time. I can agree with that. I'd put a little higher because I'm sick to death of seeing Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One at the top of those things. Mm. They're, I've read them. In my opinion, they're not that good. They're good. Mm. Don't get me wrong. They're very good stories. They're mm-hmm. not that good. They're not the altar every Batman fan should worship at. Mm. So I say, friends... If you like Batman, find your Batman story. Don't let people tell you what the greatest Batman story is. Find it. Because you will. Mm -hmm. Trust me. And it may not even be Batman specifically. It may be like Nightwing. It may be Robin. It may be Hunters. There's a lot of spinoff characters. In the the 90s, Batman was pretty much the answer to the X-Men for DC. Because the X-Men had a ton of books... Batman and his associated team members had their own books. And I'll say this. Unlike the X-Men, which were hit or miss in the 90s, when all those Batman books are awesome. Especially when they were written by a writer named Chuck Dixon. He didn't do anything wrong. And I'm so happy he's coming back to Batman later this year. <laughs> I'm so happy! I'm so happy! <laughs> So, also, um, with Mad Love, as I mentioned, it became the final episode of the animated series. And pretty much, that episode is this story verbatim. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I've seen it. It's one of my favorites. A few things were cut out, but just like panels. All the story beats were there. Even lines that I didn't think were actually going to be allowed in, like the Rev Up Your Harley, are in the episode. Yeah. Yeah, Rev Up Your Harley in a kid's show. How'd that get past some censors? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, she's and she's in the negligee. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I remember. <laughs> but the one thing I said, like I said, with the episode that failed, and it's great to hear Kevin Conroy, Arlene Sorkin, and Mark Hamill do their voices, because... When you look at this story, it's a very small character story. Mm-hmm. It's Hurley, Joker, and Batman. Yeah, that's it. Commissioner Gordon, you know, and the GCPD show up, but that's not important. I, this is, there's you could do a play of this story because it's mm-hmm. just the three characters. Mm-hmm. And it's great to hear the voices of in the for the episode and. Just, but like I said, when they, the only problem I have with that episode was the animation when it switched over. Because when you compare that to what we see in the comic with the Bruce Tim classic BTAS style, mm-hmm. this should be animated in this style. Mm-hmm. This should, it, what I think. They they recently did the killing joke, right? And it bombed. Really? Yeah. Now here's why. The adaptation of the killing joke was perfect. Nobody complained about that. Mm-hmm. They complained about the 45 minutes that took place before that, which involved mm-hmm. Batgirl. Now I'm sorry to say I love Batgirl, but the way she was treated in that was very bad. Mm-hmm. She. She uh, has angry sex with Batman. Mm. Yeah, that was a huge bone of contention. I'm still ticked off about. Yeah, that's not har- that's not that's Barbara. Not Barbara. Well, <laughs> well, well, <clears throat> I'll talk about that in my Phantasm recording. Listen to that. We'll, we'll get into that. In a- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because Return of the Joker had one line and between Terry and Barbara. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a digital comic. That helped fill in some of those gaps. And I'll talk about that later. So I'm not going to tell you. I'll tell you off air. Okay. (laughs) Because it was like, I have got to keep reading this comic. Now. Oh, yeah. Now, if they had adapted this Mm -hmm. story with this animation, or even the animation they used for um, Killing Joke. Mm Mm-hmm. As as their like front piece, because mm-hmm. they had the same voice. Tara Strong, who did the voice of Batgirl, did has done the is in charge of Harley now. She's the voice actress for Harley. Mm-hmm. So you had and you had Mark Hamill and you had Kevin Conroy. You could have done this and thrown it with the Killing Joke, and instead of having the Killing and kind of made it like a double feature thing, you know? Right. You still have a ninety minute movie mm-hmm. of two stories. That everybody loves. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, that would have sold like gangbusters. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't be on shelves. Just be out of stock all the time. Yeah. The main reason they did the whole Batgirl thing was so you could have, so it was more than just Batgirl opens a door and gets shot by the Joker. So yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. 
I agree with that story, but you want to care about Batgirl more than just she opens up a door and gets shot by the Joker and is stripped and while she's bleeding out gets pictures taken of her. Yeah. You want more than that. <laughs> Unfortunately, they didn't do a good job with it mm-hmm. in, in the uh, Killing Joke adaptation. And that's a shame because it was directed by Bruce Tim. The same guy who did this helped write, helped direct that m- movie. Mm-hmm. But like I, but the writer who did it wasn't Paul Dini or Bruce Tim. It was Brian Azzarello, and I have severe issues with him. Mm. When you write a story called Lex Luthor, Man of Steel, okay, yeah, no, and you make Lex Luthor the hero, I have issues. <laughs> Quite you make it seem that suit when you, when you when you make it seem like Zack Snyder sat down and read your book and that's how he based his version of Superman on. I've got problems. <clears throat> but that's just me, <laughs> and everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And if you feel I didn't like, know where you were going with that, but okay. <laughs> if you'd like to disagree, please drop me a line at tangentsabound at gmail dot com. There we go. There's the plug. <laughs> Okay. Now, the story also, um, like I said, in addition to the animated series, became a motion comic um, that I've seen bits and pieces of on YouTube. I don't like it. Mm -hmm. I do not like it. I don't mind motion comics, but when when you have an established cast and it's already been done... And you don't hear Mark Hamill giving Joker lines, and you don't hear either Tara Strong or Arlene Sorkin doing Harley lines. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It just flat out did not work. I, I didn't. I only watched about like two minutes, and I'm like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. Now, bits and pieces of this would also be thrown into Batman: Arkham Asylum, the game, much like the Chattering Teeth from the Riddle that the Riddler stole. Mm-hmm. And if you got that reference, you play the game. Very good. <laughs> And then, uh, now I have played Arkham Origins, but I never really played too much of it, so I can't remember much. But apparently, it that was also... okay. It's not exactly part of what Rocksteady was doing. I know exactly. It's an okay game on itself, but I don't consider it part of the series. Not even the series. The only, although it was good, and I liked I liked how they did Joker, and it was a fun game, and I enjoyed it. But a lot of the the mechanics were off and i know chuck didn't really like it at all well i think um, it, well that's it wasn't rocksteady who did it and i think it was just it it seemed well, like the story at the end the story was just like no yeah i didn't finish it no i, I got to who the reveal of who black mask was oh it, it, it got better after it was okay after that but at the very end it was literally not the very very end but once if you ever play through it you'll get to a point and you'll literally you'll probably call me and be like you're right <laughs> This would never happen. <laughs> Much like Batman letting Joker die. Anything huh? Much like Batman letting Joker die. Yeah, and yeah, that... I was not okay with that either. I did like how it went into Arkham Knight, but... Yeah. I, I tell know. you, playing Arkham Knight and that reveal of... In the... Um, Ace Chemicals... Mm-hmm. And you find out who's just in his head. Mm-hmm. I went. I said a few choice four letter words. Are you? Because I played it. I played it before Chuck did, and he didn't know. 
Well, I didn't read it, and I was reading out. up on it. I just went, holy! <laughs> I said a few four-letter words after that. Are you bleeping me? Are you? He's, well, he kind of he kind of called it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that he called it a little bit, but Chuck's very good at calling things. Anything we watch, he calls it. It's ridiculous, but um, yeah, he called it, and then he couldn't believe he was right. <laughs> and the best part was, you know, then it's voiced by Mark Hamill, which was such a great surprise mm. because he had said that you know Arkham City was going to be his last role as the Joker. He, he had been public about that. Yeah. So when we when I hear miss me and it's mark am i went yes i missed you mark hamill i missed you i'm so happy <laughs> uh, yeah he's done that a couple of times here, though. i don't care <laughs> <laughs> he's done that though a couple of times where he said he's not going to be joker anymore and then he does it again right right well you know next to luke skywalker that's the role that keep, makes him you know helps keep Brett food on the table <laughs> yeah uh, uh, just that he's out of all the people who do Joker laughs. He's is the is is the best. I'm sorry, you can love Heath Ledger all you want, but I'm sorry, Mark Hamill. He's the best. That, that's why. Uh, to me, whenever I see Joker, I hear Mark Hamill. When I see Batman, I hear Kevin Conroy. When I hear Renee Montoya, I hear, hear her voice. The animated series influenced me so much that when I see these characters, I hear their voice actors. Well, we watched as kids, and you went at a very impressionable age. Not just that, but, you know, we weren't the only ones because writers of the comics said, you know, if it doesn't sound like Mark Hamill, we're not writing Joker right. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't sound like Kevin Conroy, we're not writing Joker. We're not writing Batman right. Mm-hmm. There's a great story actually about Kevin Conroy. Um, I'm you probably don't know, but I'm going to share because it, it's it's a great Batman story. This was post 9/11, like a few months after, and everybody's cleaning up New York. Mm-hmm. Well, he's well, Kevin Conroy's working at a soup kitchen, you know, helping prepare food. He's volunteering and helping prepare food for all the people working at the at Ground Zero. Mm-hmm. And some guy just goes, "Hey, you." Know, out, out in the, uh, he's in the kitchen and they're out in, in these, you know, everybody's out in the auditorium or whatever. And the guy goes, hey, did, did you know Batman's, you know, back there cooking for us? And 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 he and they go, Batman? Nah. All, and then all of a sudden, Kevin Conroy does the "I am vengeance, I am the night, I am Batman" line. <laughs> the whole place erupts in applause and cheering and. Be- that's why and Mr. Conroy has gone on record and said that's what I loved about doing this role it gave people hope mm-hmm. much like again a certain character with a big red S on his chest should do Mr. Yeah. Snyder see I haven't seen any of this it's not Spider-Man Superman uh, movies so um, yeah sorry I can't vent with you on that but you have my support <laughs> you've seen the Christopher Reeve Superman movie yeah okay you know how you all you feel good after watching that movie yeah Zack Snyder Superman is the complete opposite of that oh he needs to be fired and somebody else needs to be chosen like yeah, the guy they used in Superman just... Returns because that was actually a really good movie <laughs> I'll have to discuss that with you because 
It's underrated. And he looked like Christopher Reeve. <laughs> so it's just. Well, I'll say this. When I'm sitting in the theater seeing Superman Returns, first time, and I'm sitting in the theater and I just hear the John Williams music, I just go, mm-hmm. oh, oh, oh. And then there's the, 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 the swooping uh, credits and, you know, then it swells and you see the big red S and mm-hmm. then all the swooping blue credits. I went, sold, best <laughs> movie ever. I'm home again. Yep, it this, was. It was I a really good I'm one. I'm watching Superman 1976 for the first time. Be, you know, this this is my version of that. Mm-hmm. It was a good one. I really liked it, and they should go back to that. I haven't. I don't. I think I saw the first new Superman, and I didn't really like it. Well, if you, I'll, I'll give you my. Well, you, you you got my account information. If you look at my Superman comics that I've been talking about for the past, you know, since mm-hmm. the start of the show. Mm-hmm. You'll see that Superman. Okay. And I know you can read them because you were anyhow. <clears throat> so, overall, what are your final thoughts on the story? My final thoughts on the story. If you love Harley or Joker, it's an awesome read because you get a really good in-depth look at their relationship and just how unhealthy it is. If you love Harley, it's a great backstory. And if you love Batman, it is a deep, emotionally charged story that you'll just fall in love with. And I highly recommend it to anybody that wants to read any Batman comic. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, That's my final thought. It's a dark story. It's a tragic story. But it ranks. It, ease, it does earn its place in the pantheon of greatest Batman stories of all time. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend you guys checking it out. Um, like I said, you can find it in trade paperbacks on the shelves for like 20 bucks. I was able to find it on Comixology for about 3 So the price of a new comic, and you get about the equivalent of 3 and it's a great, great story. So, I thank you all for joining me today. Hope you uh, still are listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they are. It wasn't like uh, Princess Bride where we sort of taught it off a little bit. <laughs> Gene actually got through the end of that. Did he really? I'm shocked. Oh, that's amazing. I love you, Gene. <laughs> Careful, he's married. Well, I'm. I am too. I'm not going any further. I'm just. I'm just I meant platonically. Right I meant platonically. He's a uh, nice guy. Yes, he is. He always leaves comments, and he actually listens to the end of the podcast. So hey, unlike you, <laughs> I do too. I listen. That was one time. One time. He never did comment on my little uh, emergency cord joke. Which one was that in? <laughs> the one you didn't finish. Oh. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm a bad sister, apparently. <laughs> so, anyhow, sis, thanks for joining me. I hope we get to get to get... We still got the Mass Effect on the We books. have to do the Mass Effect. Yes, we have to do Mass Effect, and I'm in preparation for that since I haven't played the games in a really long time. I'm not going to play the games, but I'm going to watch a good bit of it on YouTube, so... Uh, playthroughs. Very good. Yep. So, I will see you all later... Thanks for listening, my friends. I hope you enjoyed it. Drop me a line at tangentsabound at gmail.com to let me know if you enjoyed it, if you thought this was a complete cluster, whatever. 
You can reach me at tangentsbound at gmail.com or at A-H-E-N-L-E-Y-2011 on Twitter. Thank you all for joining me, and in case I don't see you, have a great day, have a good morning, afternoon. I can't even say my end tag. (laughs) And in case I don't see you, have a great morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. We'll see you next time, friends. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at TwoTrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Thanks for listening. The phone's ringing. Hold on. Meow! Ten minutes later! Hello? Are you back? Holy crap! Have, have, have I been on mute this whole freaking time? I think so. Uh, oh my god, I just... <laughs> the past five minutes I've been on mute? I thought you were on the phone. <laughs> no, I was synopsizing! Oh my god! Okay. <laughs> oh, we gotta leave that in. That's gonna be awesome. That's the for the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I just thought you had a phone call because the phone was ringing. Like the phone's ringing, I was like, okay, I'll just shut up. You know, sitting here, sitting in the okay, office, stop, just stop, playing stop. with stuff. Okay. So since I can't remember where we were, um, Harley had just um. Gone down to talk to Joker about the okay. cell. Yeah, that she and was we were talking basically about threatening Joker him. Scene right through her. Okay. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm.